This is the Leaside Lives podcast, episode number 20. Incidentally, the podcast is a year old uh, this week. Thank you uh, for listening and subscribing. My guest on number 20 is Yoel's Robert Cooney, singer, songwriter and musician from Cork, but nowadays living in Spain. Before we talk about all the great music you've made over the last number of years, I want to ask about the, the Barry's Tea story because in, in preparation for tonight, I came across an article on corkbio.ie. It was originally meant just to, I made a little video um, of basically just for the family because we have a WhatsApp chat at home, you know, and I had run out of a box of Barry's Tea and um, I'm actually drinking a cup as we speak at the moment. Uh, yeah, basically what had happened is I ran out, but I had another box, so I just kind of made a bit of a joke saying opening the, uh, opening the empty box, screaming, and then closing the box, and then opening another box, basically just mixed together, and there the tea was. So I said for the crack, I'd put it up on Twitter, um, and I got contacted by, I think it's Joe O'Shea from Cork B.O., and he just, I thought it was, I honestly thought it was a wind-up at the start. Um, he was like, do you mind if I interview you and I was like yeah sure so yeah it was basically um, a fair enough short short enough conversation about basically an Irishman being stranded in Madrid without Barry's uh, without his box of Barry's tea I cheekily tried to uh, tag Barry's tea in it but I got no love but what I did get which I was not expecting is I honest to God Jordan I probably have about seven boxes of it inside and I've got two well it's probably nearly a, a a bag, a carrier bag and a half of loose Barry's tea bags just uh, above the fridge now. So I think I'm set now probably for life, I'd say. <laughs> well, it's good to have a taste at home when you're when you're living abroad, I'm sure. What what brought you to Spain in the first place? I had been to um, to India the year before. I did a bit of travelling over and I met some uh, a group of Spanish guys over that were that were brilliant. I just really, really enjoyed their company. Um, and I kind of, at that stage knew the value of having another language which, which at the time I didn't uh, and it was always something that I was kind of interested in and when I came home uh, um, I decided I was like sure not teaching English might be something I wanted to kind of do and I did a course in the Cork Language Centre and I bumped into a friend of mine that I hadn't seen in a while and he had been out here he had been living in Madrid at the time and he was I was saying oh, I was thinking of going to Barcelona and he basically said, oh, might you know, try Madrid. It's a, it's a great city. There's a lot more. You'd have better opportunities for employment there. So I did a course with him. And I'd say a couple of months later, it was 2009, February 2009, that I came out. And um, there was actually another, another Cork lad out here. I had been in college with him as well um, the year bef- two years previously. And he was living here as well. So... Uh, that's how I first got out here but I had this idea in my head like I'd come out like a little bit like an extension of backpacking and it definitely wasn't that because um, you know backpack, backpacking is great you're able to take off uh, and go wherever you want when you want um, and you're able to make your money last a little bit longer but when you're kind of living and looking for work it, it didn't really go my way at the start um, and I had to go home for a small bit I think for about a week or two to try and uh, do a bit of work to come back out um, but I think once I got kind of back out, I luckily got some, I got some work and I found, ironically enough, a, a GA team, a GA team here. And I think probably the first couple of years I, I got comfortable here was probably due to them. So there was a big group of Irish lads, um, yeah, the Madrid Harps that they're called. And I think the first couple of years, definitely they helped me kind of settle. It wasn't my intention at all to be here that long. Uh, I think I wanted to come and learn a bit of Spanish and go to South America. These lofty ideas that I had at the time. 
but um but yeah i'm here now 11 years so obviously you, you must like the place then but it's great hearing that the the local club helped you help you settle in over there this year has been very tough for pretty much every part of the world but what has lockdown be li- been like in spain for you rob um it's i think initially at the very very start it was uh, a little bit surreal i think it's like yeah i think i think i'm pretty sure we went into lockdown in the middle of march um i'm, I'm sure ireland was just kind of a little bit after that but i remember i was at work I'd, i'm a secondary school teacher um and i remember just kind of hearing you know fil- news filtering through during the day that that they were gonna send us home for two weeks. And I remember just being inside in the classroom and kind of saying it to the kids, look guys, we might be we might be going home for a little bit. Um, but I didn't expect it to be as long as it was. It was, uh, that was in the middle of March. And I think we, we just went back. We kind of came back in a little, ba- a little bit back into work at the, end of, um, at the end of June. But I think that first month was particularly difficult because you, we, you basically were, obviously confined to your house where i'm living with my partner uh, alana here and we have two balconies we're in the city center we're kind of on the second floor so we were able to kind of step out to get a bit of air but you couldn't um you couldn't leave you could only go to the supermarket uh, or the hospital if you uh, unfortunately were, were sick so i i think it was at the start it was just honest to god it was like something out of it was like something out of a movie is the only way i can explain it to you it was very very surreal um but it was it's quite interesting to kind of see that where where i live at the moment we're at, we're right on a, a main a main kind of a busy street i wouldn't call it a main street but a busy street and a lot of the neighbors you know would be kind of hanging out so we kind of for this for socializing we got to, to know our neighbors a, a lot better and it was quite good because i was able, sometimes i'd sit up in the balcony with the guitar and i'd play and then down below there's some musicians as well and across the way there's some musicians as well so we all kind of had a little bit of a mini jam which was a little bit of solidarity, it was quite great. Um, but yeah, the first few weeks were definitely very, very odd. And I think that after a while, just the frustration and not being able to 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 go out was was tough. But then we, once we realized the magnitude of everything, and especially the the work that all the, the guys in the front line were doing, then then I suppose you, you just had to be very, very grateful for for, uh, for them and understanding the situation that we were in was, was for the best, you know, but... Um, it was definitely, definitely, definitely surreal at the start, yeah. Before lockdown, though, Rob, I must say congratulations on your, your EP this year, which you released back in February. Um, it was uh, the How You Getting Ons, that group, and uh, I'm finding you was the name of the EP. It's brilliant. I was listening to it all day today, four tracks on it. There was even a song called Vladimir Putin. Um, I love the memories tune as well. Uh, Juliet is brilliant. Talk to me a bit about that and, and where it was recorded and, and who was, was accompanying you on that record. The How You Get Nans is obviously a little bit of a joke title. Um, I suppose with the, with the name of the EP is I'm Fine and You. Uh, it's a little bit of a joke title, but I'm, I was, the, I, I've been here for so long through friends, uh, friends of friends. I was able to kind of meet a, a group of, of musicians that are well established here that are that are extremely talented, uh, Kester Jones, Melly Lawrence, and um, also Sam Sam McNichol. Those guys would also be close close friends of mine. And um, we just kind of started jamming probably like a couple of years ago. I had an opportunity to to play a, um, a solo concert, and I just kind of felt that I wasn't 
the songs that I had in order to play in front of an intimate audience, I kind of felt that I needed something a little bit extra. And I, I approached the guys and I asked, would they, would they mind accompanying me on some songs? And they said, yeah, great. And we had a couple of more shows after that. And we just basically became kind of like a band after that. And uh, Kester um, has, a, has a, a studio, home studio. So we recorded the, the EP over the course of, I'd say it was probably maybe four or five weekends. Like we'd take a day each and we were able to get through the song. So we kind of recorded some of them in a, in a kind of live setting where especially Juliet, where I sang and played the guitar and uh, Sam was on the cajon. And I'm pretty sure there was some live shakers going in there as well. And um, yeah, just just basically that acoustic feel, and then Melanie uh, accompanying us then on the on the violin. So it's a it's a kind of the songs in general were um, probably a mixture of songs I would have written over the course of maybe four to five years. Um, Vladimir Putin, I suppose, was kind of based off an experience I had with. Uh, friend of mine Jamie uh, McCarthy a good buddy of mine of, of a trip to Mexico a lot of the songs I probably would write are maybe a small bit of my own experience but it's just uh, adding extra parts onto it as well uh, fictionalizing things and um, I think just the idea of the chorus when I was kind of trying to make it up it was just a bit of a joke the hooting and the tooting just like Vladimir Putin and it just it managed to stick but it used to drive everybody crazy, including uh, my partner, Lana, when I was singing at home in the house. But uh, we just got a good laugh off. We said, you know what, we should stick it on. We should stick it on the, the EP because it's kind of, to me, it's like a folk kind of country song, which is something very far removed from, uh, from what I normally play. It's a really catchy track, I think, and it's a, it's a great EP and people can check it out on, online on Spotify. It's... Uh... Robert Michael Cooney and the How You Get Nons, I'm Fine and You is the name of the, the EP. Um, obviously, I'm sure you're missing the, the music sessions back home in, in Yall in Cork. You did manage to improvise during lockdown with the last Helen and Eros the, with the cover of the Krungbin tune, Pelota. I love that. I thought that was brilliant. How did you put that together? Was it something like Zoom or Skype as well, was it? Like nowadays, it's, it's, it's quite affordable to kind of set up your own... Um your own kind of a little mini studio you know and I think over the years I was after acquiring things and and I was able to I was able to record the vocal and I was able to send it to to Warren uh, in uh, Clay Castle Studios and then uh, Simon uh, Daly or Namas as his artist name is known he was able to record his stuff and send it in and Connor Sloan as well who's in uh, Lanzarote did his part so we basically were able to record it through our own um, DAWs and uh, send it and put tracks together, which is something that um, I have done, especially with Connor over the last couple of months as well. Um, we've been kind of writing a good bit of stuff. That lockdown has been quite good for that, for um, for just, I suppose, making the most of a situation that we didn't know we'd find ourselves in. But uh, it's been a quite a good period to to be creative. We've we were able to get a couple more songs together for for Szechuan and we're in the middle of doing another one for Los Teleneros as well um, so we're just kind of waiting because obviously I suppose trying to coordinate people in, in different countries I'm, I'm in Spain Connor's in, in I suppose in Spain as well but he's in the Canary Islands and, and the guys are home and everyone's quite busy in their own way you know so it is cool that we're able to do that and as well there's some other, some other friends as well I have a home and we're just passing ideas back and forth so 
it's never been easier to um to share and to collaborate online and it's something that uh is it's super motivating as well when i have an idea and i can pass it on to someone or someone can pass me something and uh and it has become quite quite easy to do you mentioned the the Szechuan group there. I was lucky enough to see performing in the, the All International College a couple of summers ago because my own uncle Dennis uh, plays harmonica on a few of the tracks, which is great. He does, he does indeed. He does indeed. He does a great job of it. For, first of all, like that that space, Jordan, you know yourself, uh, is a fabulous facility. Like it's in a, in a way, it's um it's a bit it's a bit of a shame, I suppose. It's it's closed during the year, you know, and obviously it's um property of uh of uh, the afuera group which i work for here in in madrid uh bristol school um yeah and i just i just i find i remember like because i've been working every summer there uh, bar obviously uh last summer since i came to spain and i often like i think the first few times i went down into the church area especially and just the the feel of the place and I was actually playing. Dennis had his guitars out uh, down there and random instruments and the pianos down there. And sometimes some of the kids would come in and they'd be able to play. And I just remember thinking, wow, this place is a really special place to just the sound and the setting and everything. And I think um, it must have been a couple of years ago now. Um, yeah, I just had, I was just at home probably jamming with one of the cousins maybe. And I had an idea. And I remember saying to Vincent Collins, my cousin, Vinny, you know that I had a song I wanted to kind of record, and he called. I think he got on to Connor again, Sloan. I think he got on to Simon as well, and Dave McCarthy Jigs. Uh, he came down as well, and Vinny and we we just all basically that day just took a recorder, stuck it down there, and and uh, and we jammed out uh, like a fresh summer breeze, and. I remember being super excited um, about that sound. I was like, geez, this sounds amazing because all the stuff I had done before that was, I'd still consider myself to be like a bedroom guitarist, but having all these guys around me that um, were just excellent musicians, were well able to, to, to take the stuff, that the songs that I wrote and put something different to them was massively inspiring. And uh, we were able to do another song up in the Moby Dick room. I'm sure you know that, Jordan, from being in there, and it's an amazing spot. I, I remember Dennis was, not, was uh, not too happy because we kept him a little bit too long that day. Uh, we were trying to get a few extra takes in. But um, he came on board for the following songs afterwards. And as you know, he's, uh, uh, he's a big fan of the music. So um, we were able to do a few more of them. And hopefully uh, the next time I get home, uh, which will be in the foreseeable future, that I would like to do another. Um, I would like to do another video if uh, if I'm allowed to, and if people are available as well, because uh, as as you know yourself, it's 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 an amazing space inside there. It sure is. Uh, visually, it's it's beautiful, as you say, but there's magnificent acoustics uh, for for performing music as well, and I love the. The videos of the sessions you did there whether it's the ghost the island is probably my favorite song i love that track and uh, i know you released one about the shadow of the lady on the lighthouse wall as well earlier this year so would you say that like your songwriting is strongly influenced by home rob particularly more since you left the all yeah definitely yeah jordan that it's probably only till i left um it's probably since i came to spain that I've probably been able to look back and process all of that. Um, like Julieta has links to 
to y'all, you know, probably young, young love, personal experience. Um, Vladimir Putin has been from a, a trip to Mexico with a friend. Um, memories as well uh, is the same. It's all from kind of like memories. It's all from experiences from, from home, do you know? I, I definitely would think so. And it has taken me probably... I needed to go away to be able to look back at it and process it uh, in my own way and especially being able to come home for the summertime and the Christmas and the sessions that they had inside in the nuke inside the nuke bar would have whenever I was able to play with the group of musicians there as well it helped me uh, an, an awful lot so it's funny that I needed to actually kind of come away from Ireland first to to be able to fully appreciate it and to go back that little bit more sure of myself um to kind of find out what what way i wanted to to make music or to write music in in the first place because um i always had i always had a particular idea of how i wanted to write songs but i still feel this way now that the things that i'm the way that i like to write music sometimes i'm not actually capable of doing it yet so it actually takes me longer to to either be able to physically play it or I need people to kind of accompany me. And I, I, I remember that at the start, especially playing the sessions in the Nuke and then in the Anchor as well, just getting that confidence to play in front of people and having other people accompany me was, was, uh, was something that was, uh, that's, uh, definitely massively helped me um, with my own music. I think we're all missing the, the jamming sessions and the gigs at the moment. It's probably the last thing that's going to come back, unfortunately. But... I think you're being modest there. I think your sound, you have a really polished sound on those tracks. There's a very kind of professional, the feeling I get from it anyway, there's a very professional vibe uh, to the songs you've written, to the lyrics. Um, we can't forget Bally the Hobby or while we're on Cork influences because that's another place that has a strong musical, strong musical links. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Do you know, I, I'm not even, your point, when you're mentioning these things to me now, uh, you're right, you're dead right. I never would have, I suppose unbeknownst to myself, like there is, there's a, there is a massive influence there. Um, yeah, that's directly from a weekend down in Bally the Hob and just writing about an experience that I would have had there. Um, and, and yeah, yeah, definitely just, just the, lyrically, I suppose, um, the songs will be kind of quite simple, but, but I suppose like looking back on them now, I'm actually going to go back and look at my own lyrics to my own songs to try and see if I can decipher them now. Because the stuff that you're pointing out to me is is probably it, it comes out unconsciously, you know. But um, that is another track that was that was done really well. That and a lot of the, I have to say the the Szechuan songs that we would do, like that one, uh, Bally the Hob in particular uh, with Leah and Connor and Vinny as well. We originally had planned it to be. Uh, we'll say amped up with bass and uh, electric guitar, but the guys couldn't make it. So we completely had to just improvise all, all those Szechuan songs that we do are generally just, I'll come down with the song and I'll say, all right guys, this is kind of what I have. What do you think? Uh, maybe the shadow of the lady on the lighthouse wall was uh, a little bit different because we did have a little bit of time to, to jam that out, but uh, it makes it all the more special kind of going down and, and just creating something in the space at the time. Clearly music is massive in your family so because I think looking at some of those videos, ninety-five percent of the of the of the musicians jamming together seem to be related, don't they? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's crazy. I was talking to my uncle Kieran last night. Um uh, I, I just just generally about kind of music and stuff in general and and it's 
we were just kind of chatting and then after a while he just picked up a guitar and he was just playing something to me over the the internet over zoom like you know and i just think it's just something that we all have in the family like and i think after the first um like even just going back over the years even when i was living in middleton uh with the family like and i remember having the like the kit for the all pipe band like since then kind of had an idea that the family were well do you know everybody in the family had some sort of talent for music or or had some sort of drive for it and then kind of growing up in y'all around my uncles as well who were in bands and just people singing my cousin terry is a singer and she's vincent multi-instrumentalist and I, I remember Niall as well the same thing and I just remember at that stage I didn't I didn't pick up the guitar until it was like 21 but I just remember being so inspired by all of them be able to actually play something with them my uncle Paul included uh, uh, that was you know that was the icing on the cake so hopefully like when we get back again I, I the Shadow of the Lady in the Lighthouse Wall Bally the Hob there's another one which is a trilogy of songs um, I'm just basically going to try to marry the, the themes of the two songs to kind of create a third one. Uh, so that would be the family edition. I'd, I'd like to be able to get the chance to finish that off because that's kind of um, that's in the works at the moment. Some good stuff. And your family, of course, the, the McCarthy family are, are synonymous with music and y'all with the, with the pipe band, uh, many other musical projects as well, as you mentioned. That's very impressive, though, that you took up guitar at 21 uh, and you're already making songs, creating songs at that level and, and, and still relatively young. How long did it take you to, to learn guitar then, uh, Rob? I remember being in the first year was pretty tough because myself and uh, Jamie, my buddy Jamie McCarthy, we picked it up at the same, we saw, we, we went to see, I'd say it was Bobby Lee and Martin Baylor in the, in the clock. And I just remember being completely blown away by them. Like just, I thought they were absolutely amazing because I suppose when I was younger, I had uh, turntables. I was kind of into dance music. We just, a few of us friends at home had a uh, set of decks. We thought we were the bees and knees. So I was kind of really more into kind of dance music as I was kind of growing up, but I remember just seeing them and, and I maybe I had the, uh, the incorrect interpretation that guitar music would have been quite, um, not as uplifting as dance music would have been anyway, I suppose. So that was the type of music that I was into at the time, but I remember seeing the two of them, uh, the two guys together and just the sounds they were making were absolutely incredible. And I was like, wow, like I, that's something that I would love to do. It took me a couple of years to get around it uh, um i was mainly into instrumental stuff i didn't really sing at the time for for a good couple of years i just wasn't i didn't ever i haven't ever had any training as such so i kind of had to kind of find my voice a little bit but playing i was lucky enough to go to university and college in cork as well and i was just living with all the musicians as well friends and guys who were in bands as well and i think just being around all of them as well just the different they were technically amazing uh guitar players um i learned a lot from them so i suppose that was where i kind of got the i i can see what they're doing and i i'm not able to do that yet but i can see what they're doing and i kind of want to do it too so i think it took me jordan i'd say to get memories was the first proper song I remember kind of writing where I thought, actually, this may not be absolutely awful. And I think that probably took me about five or six years before I was comfortable enough to sing in front of people and play. 
That's amazing. I think that gives us all hope. I, I would have assumed, though, that you were playing guitar since you could walk and uh, writing songs from a very young age and studying music at university. So that's uh, that's very interesting to hear. But you mentioned some musicians there in, in Cork, even in the East Cork area. There, there's a fair tradition there with guitarists. There are many great guitarists in and around you all alone, like, isn't there? Ah, oh, there is. Like... I used to like as much as I've been lucky enough to play with some of the guys from home who are amazing. I'd be like, I'd be like, fans of them as well. Do you know? I'd be, I'd be massively inspired by, by people that are around me like that. So like, Jesus, Mal Blackie there as well, who's absolutely amazing. Martin, Bobby Lee, Simon, Warren. Do you know? Like the list of people is is absolutely endless. Dan McGoldrick, my cousin Vincent. Kieran, Derek Highland, Bora, Kieran Hearn, Leah, you've, you've a, a plethora of people. That's only in y'all itself, like, you know, and then you have many, many, many more people as well who are in different bands. So I think it's um, it's something that I didn't realise until I, again, left y'all. It wasn't so, because I would have been aware of people, but going up to Cork and, um, and being in Cork and having lads uh, who would have been from Middleton uh, bands growing up, like Exit the Street would have been a big band I would have been into. I would have lived with Barry O'Brien would be the bass player, Chris um, Chris would have been the drummer, Chris Carey, Keem Walsh, the guitarist, Colin Keller, the singer. Like those lads as well would have been very lo- local enough guys, very down-to-earth guys and, and incredibly musicians. And then meeting other guys through them, just kind of but it always kind of brought me back to y'all as well just kind of to understand the talent that we have because they knew who guys were from where we're from as well so i think that that period of of especially when i lived in cork city like uh i think it was from 2002 to 2008 2009 was uh like the music scene out there at, at that time like was brilliant cypress avenue especially there was some absolutely fantastic gigs going on there um so yeah it was a very special time yeah, it's not a bad county to be from if you've any bit of uh, passion or flair for music, uh, to say the least. I know as well, Rob, like the Cooney name is synonymous in sporting circles around the county as well, whether it's Gaelic games or snooker. Is sport a part of your life as well as music? Yeah, definitely. Um, I probably, nowadays, I suppose, any anything at all, Jordan. Any any sort of high level sport, anything at all. I will watch it. I will watch it. Um, anything. There's days, well, you know, when the weather kind of started changing here. I think it was, there was probably a couple of Saturdays ago where you'd start off with a bit of rugby during the day. You'd have soccer. You'd have the hurling was on, boxing. The UFC. I, I literally would watch absolutely anything. Um, I played with the Madrid Hearts for a good five or six years. Uh, I suppose I can I can say that I'm probably one of the only guys, probably the only at the moment from y'all that has played in the GA version of El Clasico, uh, Madrid versus Barcelona, which we have got the upper hand on many times. Uh, so I did play with the club here for for a good couple of years, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I from a young age I, I played a lot of sport at home as well. Probably up until the ages of 16, 17. I think probably once I left you all again and went to Cork I probably just maybe lost touch with the club a little bit but growing up at home obviously the Cooney name for GA is synonymous you know anywhere that I kind of went um, you know people would ask about it especially when, uh, when Christy when his presidency as well or even as well when he was chairman of the Munster Council or the Cork County Board as well you know um, the the snooker as well which is like Uncle Brendan and Chris like guys are absolutely fantastic absolutely amazing ambassadors 
uh, I, I wouldn't be the best snooker player. I tried it out down the hall once or twice, and I think I was too small to get to the table, so I left it off. And like in in Spain, would you like even before lockdown? No, have you gone to many La Liga games? Real Madrid, Atletico. Yeah, I had been to uh, the Vicente uh, de Calderon, which is Atleti's old stadium. Uh, I lived right down by there uh, for a couple of years, and the atmosphere on the Sundays was absolutely rocking. It was brilliant because you'd have like thousands of people going down towards the stadium. It was down by the river. And I was lucky enough to have gone to a few games there. I went to the, the Derby uh, to see Real and Atleti in Atletico's old stadium, um, which was just the, the atmosphere. Is... I, I, beat, I, beat, I went to one Premiership game. I'd say like I would have been a Manchester United supporter over the years. I still follow my small bit. And I went to one game, which was uh, when Manchester United won 9-0 against Ipswich. I went over my cousin Anthony and uh, my uncle Anthony at the time. But... The atmosphere in the stadiums, especially in that old Atletico stadium, was absolutely amazing. I've been, I went to the, I was lucky enough to go to a Clásico as well, um, to watch Real Madrid and Barcelona. And I got to see Messi and Ronaldo, like, fairly up close. And that was amazing. That was absolutely amazing. Um, the both of them, you know, people would constantly ask who is better. But just to see the both of them together was absolutely amazing. Uh, those are the two... I really, really remember. I've been to the new, uh, the Wanda, um, last year for the Liverpool and Atletico game. Uh, my cousin Trevor came over. He's a big Liverpool fan. And uh, we went to check that out. And again, the atmosphere in the stadiums was absolutely uh, electric. Um, I think sometimes, like, being here for such a long time, and I know it's one of those things I take for granted until this time passes, but to live in Madrid at the time, especially when they won all those Champions Leagues, uh, all the big nights out, like the city was absolutely hopping after some of those games, especially down where Thibel is because they would bring back the trophies. That's where they, anytime they win a trophy, they bring it back to, to Thibeles, which is um, the main fa- fountain kind of down in the, in the, in the centre, south centre of Madrid. They come in an open top bus. And uh, yeah, some of the years here, some of the football that, they've, that both teams have played uh, has been absolutely excellent. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's a religion there, I think. That's the impression I get soccer is. You're teaching, as you say, at secondary level. What is it English you're teaching, Rob, or what subjects? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm actually a business studies teacher. Uh, by I went back to university a couple of years ago here to get the HDIP. And because I, the primary degree is a, business, a bachelor's of business from, uh, from CIT, that um, I had to do the HDIP in, in that, but um, because I was able to do uh, an English exam, I had to go and actually do a Cambridge exam, which I am actually an examiner for as well. I'm a trained examiner for it, so I had to do that. And then once you can do that, you are um, you can actually teach uh, a language in a school. So I would be uh, an English teacher yeah, for first, second, third, and, uh, and, and fourth year. And uh, you like it, what you do? You love your job? Yeah, do you know, like... I, I'm not going to lie to you, I still do have dreams sometimes where I am back in school myself and I'm terrified, but to be honest, um, it's something that I, the school that I work in, it, Bristol School, I suppose is the English name, Colegio Bristol, uh, has been an absolutely amazing place to work. Um, I've got a, a, a really good bunch of uh, colleagues, bosses are amazing as well, and it's been a great environment for me as well, you know, to, to work in. Um, and I suppose, especially as I've been there for a good eight or nine years, you can see the the, the passage of, of kind of time because kids, you know, 
the guys that I have at the moment in my second year group, um, when I started in the school, they were three. So you've had infants, primary and secondary, and they call it high school on the American model. Uh, they, all, they all pass through, you know, so you kind of see them from when they're kids uh, moving all the way along. So it's great because you kind of grow up with them a small bit as well. Um, and there is uh, the school has a big kind of family uh, atmosphere, which has been brilliant. And uh, as, as the years have kind of gone, gone on, you know, the first couple of years, you're always trying to to kind of pick up a bit of rhythm but the last couple of years i've been uh i've been really enjoying it um it's it's you know like, like any job it can be tough sometimes but uh it can be very rewarding as well yeah i'd imagine so and do you pass on your your musical knowledge your musical skills to the students after school guitar lessons or anything like that we um we did we did do at the end of the year sometimes um we'd kind of have like workshops at the end if the kids finish schools, uh, sorry, if they finish their exams, sometimes the, there's like a week of where we would put on a workshop. So each teacher would provide some activities, and we did do some uh, some kind of songwriting exercises where I kind of we just kind of make up stuff uh, with kind of kids. So I would make up kind of playful songs about them, kind of ribbing them a small bit. So we had a good bit of crack doing that, and some of them were like kids' imaginations are absolutely brilliant, like you know, and especially because the level of English in the school would be quite high as well. That um. They'll be really, really good at it. Um, and sh- like music is a, a universal, a universal language, so they're well able for it. So yeah, we've had we've had a bit of fun. All right, we've had some fun. I, although I'm not too sure, I'm open to all types of music, but um, I suppose the uh, reggaeton will be quite big here. I suppose the way of saying at home would be despacito. That song I imagine would have been fairly popular globally. They're big into that style of music here, which is a. Uh, which is sometimes hard to, to be creative with for me anyway. <laughs> I know what you're saying. So lockdown, has, it sounds like it's been very productive uh, for you and you're still sending on ideas to each other with, with the Cork musicians. Um, what music are you listening to yourself, Rob? At the moment, so I have a, a Spotify account, which I usually will... I'll either use for just listening to new music or just a mixture, anything from the 70s, either rock or Motown music, I absolutely love. Uh, a lot of R&B music from the 90s as well, I'm kind of listening to lately. Um, if there was any particular artist, I suppose, uh, Anderson Pack, he'd be an American kind of, I suppose, would you call him a hip hop and kind of soul artist? He's a drummer with a band called The Free Nationals. and He's absolutely amazing. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of that recently as well. Guy called Jacob Collier. Um, Connor put me on to him. He's absolutely amazing as well, a, multi- a multi-instrumentalist. But honestly, Jordan, I would absolutely listen to anything. Pop, rock, anything at all I'd listen to. So usually what I do in the mornings if I'm going to, when I'm going to work, if I'm not listening to podcasts, I've listened to yours as well, by the way. Um, yeah, I usually have a mixture of just absolutely everything. I sometimes, I think, I... It's been a while since I probably sat down and listened to uh, a full album. Um, I probably listened to EPs, uh, Namus, uh, Simon Daly's EPs. I probably had that on repeat there recently enough. Uh, Maneuvers, which is great. But I probably would just listen to a, a mixture of, uh, of anything that just kind of comes up, you know. Um, but I'd say Anderson Pack and, and Jacob Collier are probably the two I'd listen to quite often on, on repeat recently. Okay, I look forward to checking those out. Um, that's almost it, Rob. I suppose I normally ask the guests about what they, what they love most about about Cork, about Lee Cider. What are you missing most from home? No, I'm sure you miss family and friends anyway. But what else are you missing from from Cork? Um, just the place physically. Um, like if you all 
I suppose it's an old cliche to say, like, you know, but you know, living in Madrid for so long, there's no beach here, like, and uh, walking the beach, but especially, like, my, my mum would have uh, sold the, the family home. She's had to move out to the country. And just that walk from out of Dermot Hurley, down the hill, up through the town, down the back street, out by uh, Green Park and just out the, out the beach. So I stroll it so often and not being able to kind of have that, I suppose, um, although temporarily for the moment, um, is something that, that I've been missing a bit. And I suppose with lockdown as well, um, you know, you have things slow down, so you have a little bit more time to, to think about those things. Cork City, because um, I was lucky enough to live up there for five or six years uh, in different parts of the city, from the south side to the north side, out by... Um, UCC, but up by CIT as well. Uh, yeah, just the, the city itself, just the inner city. I'm sure it's changed quite a lot now since I've been back. I don't get to spend that much time when I go there, but just catching up with all those people that I'd be still very good friends with from um, from college or my time in Cork. Just I'd have to say the people and just the buzz. And you know what as well, the accent. The accent's great, boy. <laughs> it sure is. Uh, lastly, I whether it's through music or through your teaching or through traveling, what is it that motivates you most, Rob? Um, I'd say definitely in my 30s, Jordan, I'd say just you know, making the most of the opportunities that I have at the moment, um, making the most of my time, whether it be at work, just, again, just trying to, trying to make sure that I'm doing the best that I can, um, understanding if things don't go well, to to be able to sit back and say, look at it objectively and, and find out why and try just do things a little bit better. Um, I suppose, uh, you know, from from the music perspective, um, just trying to keep on going what I'm doing. Like the longer I go, the more ideas I have. It's something that hopefully I'll be able to do for as long as I'm able to do it. Um, you know, lo- looking at the people around me, I find take great motivation, inspiration from the people that are around me, from friends to family to to even yourself, even doing doing this. You know, um, I often kind of you need people to trailblaze as well. You need people to do things first in order for people to know that they can do it too. Um, and that's definitely that's that's definitely what motivates me and inspires me. Yeah, the people around. Me. Well, listen, your gent, Rob, thanks a million for your time and for the chat this evening. Really appreciate it. And uh, good luck with, I suppose, the creative process going forward. We look forward to the next EP and hopefully we'll see you next summer back for a, a sesh one or two in y'all. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Jordan. Take care.